feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Joe Biden, he is in trouble, and we have an action-packed show tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. In about half an hour, we are going to have GOP presidential candidate Perry Johnson, who is doing a really interesting move. He has set up now a pack, and it essentially will match up to a million bucks For those, he said, who have been politically persecuted, moms, dad, grandparents, anybody accused of crimes related to the 2020 election. It's a really interesting move, and he is known as the quality guru. He is going to be joining us in about a half an hour from now. Also to talk, of course, about the GOP presidential race. And also, we will also have a minister from Sierra Leone. Uh, talking about what is going to be a really busy time at the U.N. Some of it got underway today. We know next week uh, is also going to be an even bigger week. Uh, President Biden and a whole bunch of others in town. And there's always lots of drama surrounding the U.N. Uh, We'll be talking about that. But we'll also be talking, of course, about some major accomplishments that the small country, the West African country of Sierra Leone has done. It's amazing what they've accomplished with women's rights, uh, in education and a whole bunch more. And that's also coming up on the show. We got a great show tonight. Also, meantime, some bad, bad news for President Biden. And when you look at where the incoming is coming from, now some of the criticism is coming from probably one of his biggest, biggest supporters ever. This is Washington Post columnist David Ignatius. And he has probably been like his stalwart supporter in the media. He's always been probably Biden's biggest fan. And he seemed like he's always been praising him, uh, never really wavered in the support. And wow, he dropped a bombshell in the Washington Post saying Biden should not run again in 2024. Now to hear it from somebody like that. That is really eye-opening and really stunning. Here he is. Here is David Ignatius. He's on MSNBC. And here is why he says this is not Biden's time to run. He believes this is not the moment. He believes his age is an issue. He also believes that competency is an issue. He also took a swipe, by the way, also at Kamala Harris and said that she's not really a good backup either. Again, coming from one of his biggest, biggest supporters, this is a stunner. Here's David Ignatius. I admire many things that President Biden has done in domestic and foreign policy. I do think that that legacy and at the center of his uh, legacy is the fact that he that he stopped Trump. He stopped him in 2020. He stopped Trump uh, supporters in the midterm elections. Uh, he's mobilized the, the Justice Department uh, that is now bringing uh, Trump to accountability. I, I worry that all those achievements are at risk. And it, it seemed to me uh, through this summer, I, I haven't gone anywhere in the country. I haven't talked to any group of people. 
uh, where this issue of whether President uh, Biden should run again hasn't been a, a centerpiece of conversation. It, do, it doesn't get into the, the newspapers. It doesn't, doesn't get much on TV except Fox News, which is obsessed with it. And I thought that it was time to, to, to raise that question. Uh, and the, again, the heart of it is uh, whether uh, Joe Biden is the best person to carry this legacy forward. He may decide that he's the only person who can defeat Donald Trump. I mean, he sees that as his mission. It's why, why he ran in the first place back in, in, in 2019. He may, he may decide he's the guy who can do it and nobody else can. And that's, that's his decision. But I felt it was time to have a more public discussion about this. Um, it, it is, as I say, something I'd be surprised if you and Joe and the people you talk with are, are not discussing it in private. I, certainly, I, I find everywhere I go, it's, it's, a, it's a subject. And what uh, journalists like me should do is, is take mm -hmm. issues like that that people are talking about in private uh, and, and bring them forward so we can have a better discussion. So that's a right, simple I, I explanation. Uh, it was like, whoa, where's that coming from? We thought that you were going to say, I love Joe Biden no matter what. But boy, that was an interesting, powerful comment, again, coming from one of his biggest supporters. And he's not alone. You heard what he said. He said everywhere he goes, people are talking with him about it, basically saying that this is not the time for Joe Biden to do a second term. You can see he's degrading. You see what's happening when he was over in Alaska on 9-11, which God knows why he was there. Uh, but so there he was. And he was all over the place in his comments. Remember, he made a little joke even before he started doing his 9-11 speech. There's all these odd, inappropriate moments that seem to be catching up with him. And everybody seems to believe that he's just not the right guy. Is there anybody out there who thinks that Joe Biden is the man for the moment? You see him degrading before our eyes, and you know it's bad when even somebody like a David Ignatius is calling it out and saying this is not the right candidate. He believes the battle is to be President Trump. And in fact, I want to play cut number two, um, because here he is explaining why he feels that Joe Biden is not the man for the moment. I think it comes down to what we were talking about earlier. Is Joe Biden the person who can stop Donald Trump or somebody like Trump who gets the Republican nomination? That's what he's got. He's got to look in the mirror, search his soul and make that decision. And I wanted to raise that question. I'd like him to think that through carefully because I have my mm -hmm. concerns. And he is definitely not the only one. Take a listen to Morning Joe. This is Joe Scarborough who's also been quite a cheerleader for Joe Biden. And he says everyone is talking about this on the Democratic side. Take a listen to what he says. Just to answer David's question, uh, Mika and I, uh, everybody we talk to, every political discussion, all uh, it, it talks a lot about Trump. But when it comes to Joe Biden, people say, man, he's too old to run, isn't he? I mean, he's not going to he's not really going to run. Every when I say every discussion, I don't mean 99% of the discussions. Every discussion. We got it. I asked Reverend Al if he was hearing it all the time on our show this past week. He's hearing it as well. So, you know, we often will complain about Republicans who will say one thing about Donald Trump off the air and another on air. Well, let me just say Democrats off the air will say Joe Biden's too old. 
Why is he running? On the air, they won't say that. So I commend I commend David for at least raising the question. I mean, my my question, of course, Willie is uh, who can do a better job with, uh, as president as Joe Biden, uh, and uh, who can beat Donald Trump? I don't I don't see a lot of Democrats out there. I don't see any Democrats out there right now that could do that. That's an interesting point. So. Are the Democrats in dire crisis, especially as this new impeachment inquiry is underway? There's so much to talk about here. And Corinne Jean-Pierre, you could tell that there's already this sort of party line comment that's being put out by the White House to basically try to defuse anything tied to the impeachment inquiry. They also to have the same lines, the same expressions. And you're seeing Democrats over and over again They are clearly concerned about where the impeachment inquiry is headed. And right now, look, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I firmly believe let's see where it goes. Let's see if it advances into where there's something substantive. I think there's a lot of smoke there. The question is, can they find what may be a smoking gun? Could there be something? It sounds like Comer may be close. We were talking with John Solomon earlier today. Sounds like he is suggesting that the Comer committee may be close to actually getting more bank records. So you could tell that already the Democrats are going, "Uh uh-oh, this is a concern. The White House is beefing up its war room full of different attorneys. And Corinne Jean-Pierre is already trying to figure out all the different responses. Take a listen to what she had to say. Will the president cooperate fully now that Speaker McCarthy has pulled the trigger on an impeachment inquiry? So um, I'm going to refer you to uh, to my colleagues over at the council's office on any specifics uh, to uh, to the inquiry. Uh, certainly not going to uh, uh, going to speculate on on what has been a baseless inquiry that the House Republicans uh, can't even really defend themselves, uh, and that many House Republicans have said they have said they couldn't support their own votes. Uh, so again, I'm going to refer you to my White House counsel on any specifics. Uh, well, it's baseless. It's this is that. But I'll refer you to my White House counsel. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, your thoughts. It's bad news when sort of the president's biggest cheerleader is saying, please don't run again. And also, please do not have Kamala Harris on the ticket. So, Rita, I was just listening to the interviewer of the Democratic opera you played on the radio just before. Who was that person that said, you know, Joe Biden did this, Joe Biden did that, uh, whoever that was. I heard him say he was brazen enough to say on the air that Biden mobilized, uh, quote, unquote, mobilized the Justice Department to stop Trump. So, and here, here's Biden. And, but he saying, looks at it as a winner. That person's a liberal. They look at it as a winner. You know? That's what, that, that's what I'm saying. He brazenly thinks that's what they're supposed to do. And Biden's here claiming, I have nothing to do with that. And Kate Karine John Pierre says, that's an independent investigation by the Justice Department. We got nothing to do with it. I saw an interview by none other than a PBS interviewer some time ago. He was on TV challenging Biden on his knowledge of Hunter's business dealing. And recently, apparently, that, that, that video has surfaced, and he says, no, I never did this, I never did that. She said, are you sure, Mr. President? And she pressed him, PBS interviewer. I mean, this is getting really bad. 
when the liberals turn on him, when in morning Joe turns on him, I, but the problem is he doesn't seem to care. And that because I think he says, you know, he's thinking Kamala Harris will succeed me. We can do this crap for four more years. I hope to God for the sake of the country that doesn't happen. Republicans need to come together as a group, do whatever it takes to get this guy and his vice president out of office. Otherwise, I'm really afraid the next four years are going to screw this country up like nobody's business. Well, and I think also, I think Democrats are starting to really, you know, they say, oh, there's nothing there to the impeachment inquiry. And we'll see where it goes. It's just an inquiry. So it's just an investigation. But I think they actually are concerned because they wouldn't be spending so much time poo-pooing it and they wouldn't be spending so much time stonewalling it. I mean, if there wasn't something there, why stonewall? Why not hand over all the bank records? Why not say, hey, here it is. There's nothing to see there. No problem. And that's why I think they're starting to go, uh-oh, uh, he's uh, delayed. He's, uh, you know, sl- you know, sluggish at best. Then you got this impeachment inquiry that who knows what it's going to uncover. Uh, this is not a good thing. And they're starting to go, uh-oh, uh, we're heading into, uh, you know, the primary time. They don't want a challenger. They don't want him to debate. I don't even know if he'll end up debating in the general. I don't know if he can. I mean, I mean this is that we're in a mess. We're going to continue your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at So are the walls closing in on Joe Biden? His favorite columnist, David Ignatius, says he should not run in 2024. Uh, But Democrats definitely going on defense about this impeachment inquiry. Listen to Congressman Dan Goldman, his take. This is a purely political, partisan game that they're playing at the behest of Donald Trump to protect him, to distract from him, and to try to help him in the election in 2024. And they are about to lead us into a government shutdown because they're distracted with these shenanigans that have no merit. And here is Congressman Jason Smith, who is chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. That is the IRS with those IRS whistleblowers. He says it is not all smoke and mirrors. He says there's a lot of facts there. President Biden's Justice Department had obstructed the investigation of their son, of his son, Hunter Biden, where, in fact, they allowed the statute of limitations to expire on felony crime convictions just in the tax years of 2014 and 15, where he hasn't even paid more than $300,000 worth of taxes based on his income from Burisma. There are numerous emails, text messages, WhatsApp messages, Hunter's laptop that shows that the President of the United States was not just aware of his son's business dealings, but it goes much farther. So is Biden in trouble with many of his biggest supporters in the media 
seeming to fold against him. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in New Hampshire. Line six, Pete, your thoughts. Rita, thank you for allowing me to speak on your show freely, okay? Love your show and love you. Thank you. Back at you, my friend. Go ahead. Number one, it's amazing to me, Rita, looking and reflecting and looking back out across this land at our government. It's amazing to me how when Donald Trump was in office, they had no problem. They, the left, the morons, these people are not socialists. They're not even American. They're communists. When I say that, Rita, I say it for one reason only. Number one, they had no trouble taking down Donald Trump. All the times they tried to impeach him, Russian collusion, blah, blah, blah. And you know what's amazing to me, Rita? And now the left is fighting back, and they're saying, oh, you can't go after Joe Biden. You know what I say? Hang them all. Not Donald Trump. The problem is the establishment and the elitists. That's the problem. But as an American vet, i got to tell you one other thing. Rita? Yep, go ahead. And, and here's the thing. It's amazing that what my people, my family, through the years since the French and Indian War, right up through, and all other families that have been through the campaigns and wars, and we look at this now, to look at this country now, it's a total disgrace. In my eyes, it's poison. You follow me? Well, you know what? You know what's interesting, Pete? It, it saddens me because I do feel we are so unbelievably divided. And just like you said, um, you know, the Democrats are, you know, crying foul, like, oh, how dare you? Um, how dare you even consider impeachment inquiry? Look what they did, just as you said to President Trump twice for a phone call was the first one. I mean, it, it, it really is uh, a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, it really is. Um, and I hear you. And I, I just hope, uh, you know, cooler heads prevail and all the truth comes out, especially on the inquiry, wherever it goes. Um, I hope it's irrefutable so everybody understands where things are headed, uh, because I agree this is tough times. And I think people got to get out and vote, especially next go around. You can't sit on the sidelines. I'm not talking about you, Pete, because I know that you get out and vote. Uh, but getting everybody out to vote is so important. Pete, thank you. Let's go to Norm, line three. Norm, your thoughts. Oh, Rita, I think Joe Biden should run. His sharpness, articulation, honest character, his debate skills, and, of course, his record. And John Fetterman should moderate the, any of the debates, but especially with President Trump. Wait, wait, where is that hello, good night again? Let's see if we can find it. You know, I always Please. love that line because... Uh, every time I think about it, I've never seen a debate start that way. Can you imagine? That would be like, uh, I think we'd need a smelling salt to stay awake during that one with the two of them. Norm, thank you. Perry Johnson coming up, everybody. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Centerville, Utah, where the Centerville Police Department is mourning the loss of a beloved canine officer 
who died early Monday morning. Police say that canine Sophie got loose from her handler's home on Sunday night after spending the evening looking for Sophie. The canine was found in the morning running in the northbound lanes of Interstate 15. Minutes after being spotted, Sophie was sadly hit by a vehicle, and by the time officers arrived, she had died of her injuries. She joined the department in November 2019. Sophie was an invaluable asset to the community, the police department wrote, and was instrumental in locating lost children, Alzheimer's patients, and also suspects. So a very, very important role that she played. By the way, a public viewing uh, for Sophie the canine dog is going to be held in a matter of days at the police department, certainly, who is a vital, vital member of the team. And it's a great reminder that our law enforcement also involves our furry friends who do so much. And by the way, there was this attack uh, that just happened recently uh, that took down uh, the suspect. We're going to talk about it in the next hour. This is the guy, the fugitive, who was on the run in Pennsylvania. And it was a police dog uh, that was able to take him down so he couldn't fire a shot on law enforcement officers. So police dogs do so much to save so many. And everybody, by the way, uh, I encourage you so much to check out the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. I am going to be a part of the walk run. It's the big, big event that takes place every year. It's coming up on Sunday, September 24th. And all of us here at the Red Apple Audio Network are encouraging our loyal listeners to donate to our individual teams. That's right. You can go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com, walk.ritacosbyonline.com, and click on my picture to donate. All the proceeds go to Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which does so much. Please help me raise the most money here at the network for the amazing Tunnel to Towers Foundation Walk Run. Let's never forget those that help America's heroes and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, as many of you know, is very near and dear to my heart. I have seen so many people who have benefited from this incredible organization. Let's raise some money, please, for our veterans, our first responders, and our 9-11 victims as the 22nd anniversary, as you know, just passed. So go to walk dot rita cosby online.com click on my picture and help this tremendous organization well you know all of you uh that i'm a big believer in people being able to express themselves and to speak up and it makes me just it's ridiculous when i see political leaders and we saw kamala harris not that long ago where she was comparing people there that were at january 6th at the capitol uh, many of them who were there peacefully and patriotically, uh, and she compared that moment to Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Remember this? Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. Well, our next guest here on the Rita Cosby Show is a Republican presidential candidate. He's known as an outsider businessman 
and he just announced that he has started a PAC, a political action committee, to raise money for those accused of crimes related to the 2020 election. And he's putting his money where his mouth is. He has committed to an impressive personal match of up to $1 million. And joining us now here on the show is GOP presidential candidate Perry Johnson. Perry, great to have you here on the show. Delighted to be here. You know, why did you think it was important? When I saw this, I said, bravo. Uh, Why did you think it was important to do this and send a statement out there uh, about those people who have been politically persecuted? And a lot of them, you know, were moms, dads, uh, you know, kids, grandparents. Uh, They were out there at the Capitol and elsewhere. And it seems that they have been targeted, especially by this Justice Department. Your thoughts? Well, I know the electors in Michigan. In fact, I probably know most of them. And we're talking about people that are, for the most part, grandparents. These people love this country, and they had no idea that there was anything wrong whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they were asked to do this in case the courts ruled that the election was not fair. And they had to be in a position where There were people that could go in and follow the Constitution and the laws of the Constitution in order for this to be done. So when I talked to them, I was talking to the one lady. She's 78 years old. She lives on Social Security. She's crying. She doesn't sleep at night. So upset. And she does not have the money for an attorney to defend her. And the cost for an attorney is going to be somewhere in the area of about $150,000 to $200,000. And these people don't have that kind of money. They're living on Social Security, literally living on $30,000, $40,000 a year. And we have these people in Michigan that are just devastated. So when you take a look at what's going on, they're really using our legal system as a weaponizing tool. It's so bad, the prosecutor here in Michigan wrote a letter to Dana Nessel, who's our attorney general, and said, that they did nothing criminal and they should not be charged. And she went ahead and charged them anyway. So this is a devastating attack. And when we start using our, our legal system as a weaponizing tool and you get to the point where in America you can't even speak, you can't speak up because we're silencing freedom of speech and people do not have the ability to defend themselves, it's no longer America. Yeah, it's, it's greatest... a dangerous place. I agree with you. You know, and, and, you know, did you ever imagine we'd live in a world like this, Perry? I mean, it really is surreal. You, you brought up, of course, what happened in Michigan. I also think about what happened in Georgia, where it just came out recently that the special grand jury there was planning on going after 39 people, including uh, sitting senators. They did go after uh, defense attorneys for the president. It's like they're trying to stifle Anybody uh, that, you know, had any sense of looking at the election or was trying to defend, you know, President Trump. I mean, it really is an extraordinary, I think, assault on free speech. Well, dramatically so. And then what they're doing is targeting these people that have no ability to defend themselves because they don't have the money. I mean, these are people that are struggling. So when we're talking about that in, in Michigan, of the 16 people, I would say, Maybe there is one that I know that has the money to defend themselves. The others do not. There might be two because maybe maybe there are two. 
But it's just devastating. America has come to this. And we live in the greatest country the world has ever known. And people just don't recognize that when we don't have America, when it's gone, there's no other America. And we have this great country that we're doing everything in our power to try to destroy. It amazes me. Yeah, it is extraordinary. By the way, what's been the reaction? When I saw this, I said, wow, bravo. What's been the reaction there in Michigan and to other folks seeing you're really stepping up on this? Actually, I did a poll on it. It's a 75% favorable ruling. So we, 75% of the people are in favor of this. So 75% of the people are happy. 75% of the people think it's unfair. And 75% of the people are in favor of the action that I'm taking. So that was based on a poll that was taken that was done across the country. So the bottom line is, that in general, this, for the Republicans, is something that they think is needed. But I think the RNC should be defending them. It shouldn't be a situation where you have to have a guy like me come out and defend them, because the RNC should be doing something, and they're not. So I'm not exactly thrilled with the RNC right now. Well, and I want to get your take also on your campaign. Everybody, we are talking to Republican presidential candidate Perry Johnson Uh, about him matching up to a million dollars for these politically persecuted individuals. Uh, And you also, I know, you know, you were frustrated. You you weren't in the first debate. Um, You have the second one coming up. Um, Do you think there's a chance you may make it to the debate? Because that's obviously really important to get your word out. I think uh, a lot of people would be interesting. You have a great story to tell, too, with your background, Perry. I I love your history as a self-made man. Well, in the first debate, you do realize that I did have the polls that qualified me. So Fox had actually contacted us on Friday to arrange the walkthrough on Tuesday because I met all the requirements. I got the call on Monday night at 1110 from Rana, and she decided to disqualify two polls. And I'll tell you the two she disqualified. The first one she disqualified was McLaughlin, which was done by Newsmax. Now, McLaughlin's a known pollster. Uh, in fact, he runs a B-plus poll. He's one of the best-known pollsters in the country. Absolutely. I know, I know uh, the McLaughlin brothers, for sure. And they said that was no good. It was no good because Trump had hired him at one time to do some work. And what that has to do with me, I have no idea. Now, the other one is even more problematic. There was a victory uh, strategic poll. I admit I'm not familiar with that pollster, uh, but... They said, that's, you know, that would be a good poll, except that when the, they did the regionally balanced national poll, the pollster said that there were only 38 states that actually were, were responded. And I then wanted to know, well, what's your normal? They don't know because they don't have statistics on the other pollsters and how many states responded. So do and you think, and, and Perry, do you think, though, that you'll make the second debate? What are your thoughts? I have to get to 3%. The RNC decides whether or not they're going to accept a poll. So it's up to the RNC, right? I mean, even if you get to 3%, they decide whether or not a poll is acceptable. Now, in this particular one, uh, we don't know what the other pollsters have as an average But I do know that if you are looking at 100 million people and you're only going to take 832, and let's face it, I am a mathematician, 
the probability of getting more than about 42 or 43 states isn't going to be that great because you have 18 states that have a population under 1% of the country. So if you randomize it and you're not just cherry picking where you want them and you want to randomize the nation, how many are you going to get on an average? And what do the average pollsters get? We don't know that they get more than 40. I have no idea because they don't have any of that data and the RNC doesn't have that data. So what they did was essentially illegal. Wow. So what can you do? What can you do? Are you uh, are you doing anything legally? What can you do, Perry Johnson? Well, here's the deal. If I don't make the debate stage and I'm not at three percent, which may be a hard number to hit and they accept, I will file suit against them. And that is made known. In fact, I'll probably be filing suit. If it doesn't look like I can make the stage, I'll file it a week from Friday. But I do not want to do that until I'm sure that I can't hit the 3%, because they could just pass a law that if you file suit against them, that you can't be on the stage. Absolutely, absolutely. And, Perry, um, we just have a minute or so left. I want to make sure for folks listening out there, you have a really remarkable story. Uh, You're known as the the quality guru. Um, I'm always a big believer. I like seeing people who've, um, you know, been in the private sector running for public office. You obviously felt a calling. Why do you think you can meet the moment right now? Well, I've spent my entire life bringing quality and efficiency to companies. Let's face it. I own 81 companies, operate in 61 countries, and I've done this for 50,000 to 100,000 companies around the world. I want to try to bring quality and efficiency to the federal government because I think it desperately needs it. And right now, the government spends too much money. They go out of their way to spend every penny in their budget every year so that they're broke and get more money the next year. Now, could you think of a stupider way to run a government? I mean, we are now $33 trillion in debt. We only collect $3.9 trillion in taxes. And now the interest payment on our debt is more than what we pay for our national defense. And that is why they're talking. That's what, why do we have inflation? We have inflation because of the government. The government threw $4.5 trillion of your money out there in the economy without goods and services. That's why the prices went up. Why do we have to spend so much for oil and gas and everything? Because they decided they weren't going to produce as much oil because they're going to change the laws, not a oil drilling on federal lands. We had to take them to court to get that done. And now the drilling is so little, you have to go back to Truman years to equal that number. Yeah. And by the way, and I'm sure you saw what happened in Alaska, too, that he's cut back even on, you know, even on the little bit that he opened the door. I say bravo to that because uh, people don't realize how so much of it is tied uh, to oil and gas uh, and and the policies of this administration. It is such a uh, just such a difficult, difficult time. Nobody in the world does a better job of extracting and refining oil than the United States. We are, we are the cleanest for our environment of any place in the world. So if you want to have a cleaner world, and by the way, I wrote the book on ISO 14000, the environmental standard. That's also what we do. So nobody can be sitting there blowing smoke at me. This is the reality. Nobody in the world does a better job of extracting or refining oil than the United States. It's better for the earth. We should be pumping as much as possible and shipping it and exporting the oil. That I agree. We should be paying $1.75 for our gas. I agree. And by the way, as opposed to relying uh, or having other countries rely, certainly 
uh, as we're seeing with some of these deals with Venezuela and uh, China and now Russia. So many companies buying what, you know, I mean, it, it is the it is the definition of insanity, what we've done to this country and also other countries having to rely on much more dirty oil drillers, uh, for sure, and dirty environment uh, countries, and we know in so many ways. Everybody, I just want to make sure everybody knows uh, you can check it out on PerryJohnson.com. Perry, keep us posted. And uh, and thank you for, I just think it's great to see um, individuals who care about this country. Obviously, you understand the economy um, and obviously care about uh, individual rights, too, very much from what you're doing with matching this money to help those. Um, bravo, bravo, bravo. And great to have you here on the show. And we hope to see you there on that second stage uh, coming up at the end of this month at the next debate. Well, thank you. And I love this country, and let's keep this country the greatest country in the world. Yeah, I 1,000% agree. Thank you, Perry, very much. You are terrific. Thank you very much. Perry Johnson, and everybody again, perryjohnson.com. We'll take your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. Wow. Well, that was an interesting conversation with Perry Johnson, a GOP presidential candidate, and talking about supporting those who he feels have absolutely been targeted because they questioned the 2020 election, including people in his state of Michigan. And he says he's going to match up to a million bucks to help defend them of his own money. Uh, and he has been enormously successful. He also heard saying, listen, we got to get back to energy independence in this country and how America is the cleanest at drilling. But this president seems to want to shut off the spigots and seems to want to drive us and other places to buy it from other countries where it's a lot more dirty and a lot just bad for the environment. How does that make any sense? There are some very interesting points. Uh, by great successful businessman Perry Johnson. So interesting conversation. I always love hearing from everybody in the race. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony, line six. Uh, Tony, real quick, I thought Perry Johnson was really interesting. You know, Rita, I think, uh, and I'll tie it in quickly, CNN did a poll, and that is why we're seeing a lot of comments about Joe Biden, because America is saying on their in their poll that 75 percent of Americans are not confident in him. And in their own party, most of the people are unconfident in him and they want somebody else. But in his party, they're saying it's primarily because of his his age. I think what what um, your guest is doing is amazing because Americans are seeing two things. They're seeing that they're not really comfortable with who's in charge, definitely. And CNN knows it and all the media know it. And number two, they're not comfortable with all this um, politicization and all these uh, attorneys going to court and all the people that are involved in all these different actions. That scares people. And I think Americans know it. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, And listen, I applaud him for saying, hey, I'm going to I'm going to help these folks just for questioning and and in many cases doing their job, uh, what they were asked to do. Uh, We're in a scary place if we start going after individuals like in this case, the electors, 
There's also, as I brought up, even the defense attorneys getting dragged in in Georgia. Lindsey Graham, a sitting senator. The two other former. I mean, this we're in really dangerous territory. Um, and I, it's great that I think a lot of people are speaking out. Tony, thank you. You're terrific. Let's go to Robert in Philly. Robert, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. It's great to talk to you again. Um, I just, I just wanted to give Stan a second to turn the radio off because when he hears this, his head's going to explode. But I have information um, that I'm privileged to see from time to time. And one of the things that is on the laptop, this will probably come out in the summer, was a CIA threat assessment for the region in Ukraine that Hunter Gates, who is partners at Barista. I'll stop there. Have a great night. Oh, that's interesting. You just analyzed us, Robert. A CIA threat assessment that Hunter, what would he be having that for? That sounds like sort of classified information. Uh Uh-huh. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, well, thank goodness. After what has been basically two long weeks, this guy who is a double murderer has been caught. Uh, The escaped fugitive, Danilo Cavalcante, caught after what has been a really grueling two-week manhunt in Pennsylvania. A canine officer sniffed him out in the Pennsylvania woods. And this guy, if you look at the track record, it is just downright frightening. He committed a brutal murder in Brazil. He came to this country illegally. He never should have been able to come in. He should have been deported right away. There's no reason that he should have been in this country. Then he was with his girlfriend in Pennsylvania, and apparently she brought up the fact that he was wanted for murder in Brazil, and he kills her in Pennsylvania, stabs her to death. 38 times in front of her children. This guy is a brutal killer and never should have been in this country to begin with. So then he gets arrested, of course, for the second crime. And then they find out about the other crime. And he still hasn't been deported. He was then put in jail, of course, in Pennsylvania. And he escapes. That was the guy who did like the crab walk off the wall that we all saw the video of. And they were looking for him. It was one of the biggest manhunts recently. Thank goodness they finally found the guy. But it is such an important lesson that we don't know who's in this country. We don't know their background. We don't know if they've ever been even checked or vetted or screened. Most of them have not. Because how can you find out if somebody in this case, like this guy, has committed a murder in another country? So that is a serious issue of why open borders are a very, very dangerous prospect for our country. And this case, to me, just epitomizes it to a T. What are your thoughts about how dangerous our open border is at this time? And especially at a time where there are a lot of serious issues going on in the world. Uh, UN Week is starting. You know, a number of UN folks are coming into New York. Uh, next week, it's going to be even more of a zoo. 
And it's a time where we're going to be hearing from a lot of different characters, uh, a lot of people. Iran even has a chance to speak. That's what the U.N.'s all about. You have all these different countries speaking. Uh, you know, we'll see if somebody from Russia speaks. Putin isn't coming in. Uh, but remember, Castro has spoken in the past. We've heard other dictators speak in the past a number of times. That's what the U.N.'s all about. So we're going to be hearing about world security and national security And boy, will it be interesting if our president actually gets up there and says, we must protect our borders. We must protect this. I hope he doesn't do it because who is going to believe him? Maybe he's going to talk about climate change being the biggest threat in the world because that seems to be a bigger threat to him than a wide open southern border. And again, case in point is this guy who was clearly a monster among us. I mean, the fact that this guy, Cavalcanti, was even in the country to begin with is really frightening. And the good news is finally he was busted. Finally, finally, finally. Here's a Pennsylvania police spokesman talking about finally the guy being busted. Shortly after 8 a.m., our suspect was captured. I want to say, first and foremost, thank God there were no injuries to law enforcement or to the public. Thank goodness. And again, due to the great work of a canine officer who took him out because the guy actually grabbed a rifle from a local resident. The resident fired a whole bunch of shots at him, uh, didn't get him. Uh, But we do know that he was armed and dangerous, clearly. So, boy, this is not someone you want out on the loose. So thank God they finally got the guy. And here is what Congressman Chip Roy has to say about this and what this means to the safety of America, how this case of this Pennsylvania double murderer just epitomizes what an open border could mean to this country. Well, what we're now seeing is that the rest of the country is uh, getting a glimpse at what we've been dealing with in Texas now for years. Uh, Unfortunately, we've been seeing this unfold in Pennsylvania. Now we're seeing the gory details of what happens when you allow untold migrants to bum rush our country uh, in the false name of compassion. We see what happens in Ohio when, as your previous guest noted, you have, I think it was an 11-year-old boy or 10-year-old boy who died uh, by someone who was released by the Biden administration into our country. And here's the thing what we're not talking about. We're talking about one guy here in Pennsylvania, one guy in Ohio. The inspector general report just told us that of a million people who were released into the United States from the spring of 21 to the summer of 22, 177,000 of them have given us missing information, addresses that don't Mm. exist, fake addresses that we have no idea where they are. That's the reality. 60,000 people being released every single day. That's the truth. The truth, and look, Harris, you and I have talked about this on your show many times. I have to sit at another round table in my district with another mom who loses a child to fentanyl poisoning. If I get visit with another rancher who's losing his entire livestock and his livelihood, getting absolutely destroyed and decimated, the number of individuals getting killed, getting harassed by migrants who come here illegally, criminals, people associated with terrorist organizations, the numbers are off the charts that we're now learning have come into our country. So the simple question, Harris, for my Republican colleagues is, when are you actually going to say enough is enough? When are you actually going to do what you campaign on doing? When are you actually going to hold this administration accountable and use the power of the purse to stop this assault on the American people? 
And he is calling on, as you just heard, Republicans and Democrats saying they got to step up because this isn't, he says, a political issue. This is an American issue about U.S. security. And he says it's time, especially the Republicans have to say, you know what? You're in charge of the House. You're in charge of some of the purse strings. Hold back on the funds for the Department of Homeland Security. Why are you paying Alejandro Mayorkas's salary and other salary if they're not really protecting the border? I mean, that is an interesting point. No one's ever discussing it. Why don't you hold people accountable? If people don't do the job, why are you paying them? This is what Chip Roy had to say. Very powerful. But let's be clear. This mess is, 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 is Trump, Trump-like Republicans' mess. Real immigration reform. You know, I'm hearing those who are coming out saying, Eric is right, Eric is right. But don't pick half of what you say I'm right on. Pick the other half, that Trump Republicans created this mess. And we need to fix this mess with real immigration reform. That was Eric Adams, of course, speaking out. But here is Chip Roy speaking out. Well, right now, my position is very clear. No security, no funding. I believe that we're seeing an increased understanding by my Republican colleagues because guess what? They were at home in August. They're getting their butts kicked up and down by their constituents from New York to Texas, all the way out to, you know, throughout the entire country. They're seeing the reality of what's happening on the ground. And Republicans will be a total and complete failure, a failure if we do not hold the line and demand that President Biden come to the table, sit down with us and pass legislation that will no longer fund a Department of Homeland Security at war with the American people. That is it. There is no negotiation on that. Secure the border or you shouldn't fund the Department of Homeland Security. Is it time to indeed get tough? And we have also heard of so many of these cases of individuals that you find out later had a rap sheet. And this guy epitomizes the worst of the worst that we just talked about. But how many more are like that in our country? We don't know. I mean, for example, in New York City, they say about 110, maybe 120,000 have come to New York City. They said about 60 have been in the system. So where's the other 60,000? What are they doing? And across the border, they believe that there's been Anywhere from 8 to 10 million people crossing under President Biden in the last 30, 31 months, right? They believe at least 2 million of those are gotaways, which they have zero accountability about. Zero. In other words, they have no track of them. They have no idea who they are. They have no idea. They just saw it's like a person who walked by. So they don't even, and you know how bad they do, even the checks of who they do know names of. They never can search. You can't tap into Brazil's uh, base here to see if this guy was a murderer in Brazil, Venezuela, many of these countries. They don't cooperate. They don't put it in the system. They don't say anything. So we're doomed. I mean, that is such a scary premise. And to me, this is one of the most serious security issues that this country has ever faced. And it really frightens me that things are in the works as we just passed another 9-11 somber anniversary. What else is ahead? And why are there people, you know, politicians who seem to be just kind of turning a blind eye to it, saying, oh, we just need more money so we can have more of them here? No, 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 no. We got to plug the holes. Are you kidding me? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al in Yonkers. Line one. Al, your thoughts. 
Rita, yes, go ahead, Al. Rita. Yeah, Rita, I just wanted to say in regards to the uh, the uh, murderer they caught, the uh, person they just caught in Pennsylvania. Yep. I just wanted to say it meant so much that they were able to uh, apprehend him because, as we've seen uh, many times through the decades, uh, when murderers escape, like Ted Bundy, uh, he escaped to Florida, and he was able to kill a bunch of nursing students. It was a real tragedy. We've seen Kitty Genovese's uh, murderer in 1964, uh, years later in the 70s, escape. Uh, he violated a woman. And he also uh, caused a home invasion. Uh, they went and they apprehended him, but they did so much damage. No, but he, so by, the, really... by the way, I'm glad. You know what I will say, though, Al? I was surprised that they didn't get him sooner. And the reason I say that is, uh, first of all, he changed his appearance, but they had so many yes. sightings of the guy. Um, That's right. Yet he was like a guy who lived in the woods. Apparently he in Brazil, when he was wanted in Brazil, he kind of hid out in the, the Brazilian forest, right? In the wilderness. Yes, he knew so, the rural area. Yeah. Right. So it sounds like he did the same kind of game plan here. But but I agree with you. Thank God they got him. Um, you know, and especially I can't imagine those people living in that neighborhood. Just how scary that is, especially when they heard that he took a gun and it was a loaded gun. Um, from a resident there. That is just, it's such scary, scary stuff. I agree. Uh, let's go to Alex in Brooklyn. Alex, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, that guy that they caught today, I mean, it's one of the, the most, uh, I think, you know, crazy stories how it took them 15 days because you have, you know, someone that does a stabbing, one city runs to another city, they get him by the, by the end of the day or within a few hours. Here you have someone who it seems like he was, basically working himself, not very sophisticated, was able to hide out in this way. And, and he was even spotted a few times and yeah. they couldn't track him down. I mean, yeah, it's just something he's either extremely talented or he had just extreme luck like nobody ever before. I, by, the, by the way, I agree because there were like 500 law enforcement looking for him. You're right. It was like I, I've never seen where there were so many spottings and they actually, you know, couldn't get him. But uh, thank goodness at the end of the day. And again, Thank God uh, for especially this canine, because the canine apparently was able to get him. They believe he might have been sleeping at the time, but the gun was right near him. So had he had some warning um, and somebody, maybe it was a a person came upon him, he might have been able to grab the gun. And who knows what could have happened, uh, which is so thank goodness. Like you said, at least it was a happy ending. But you're right. He was either the most shrewd or the luckiest guy after all those spottings all over the place. We're going to continue your calls, everybody, after the break. How dangerous is our open border? And does this case of uh, this lucky fugitive who's no longer lucky, uh, does it epitomize just how dangerous our wide open southern border is? And this comes as New York City and New York State, they're trying to push for work permits for the migrants. How does that disincentivize them from coming here illegally? 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls after the break. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are talking about what is going on in the United States and New York City saying it's overflowing, busting at the seams. And the solution now 
New York State and New York City folks are pushing to get the migrants work permits. Now, how is this going to say, don't come here, we're overwhelmed, we can't handle it? This, to me, is just saying, come on in. It's giving them another reason. It's a bigger incentive. They're already getting the free hotel rooms. They're getting the food. Uh, they're getting the free health care, all that stuff. Going to the front of the line, we're talking about cutting city services. And now they're saying we want to expedite them so they can work? How does that make any sense to disincentivize them from coming here? It doesn't. But listen to Governor Kathy Hochul. We are leaving no stone unturned to find some way to get these people out of the shelters, into legal jobs, and get them part of our economy. And Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis of New York says she knows why New York officials, by Democrats potentially, mostly, are saying they want to expedite the work permits because she says there's an ulterior motive behind all of this. First of all, obviously, it would be uh, not acceptable, right, because the federal government is the one that authorizes work in this country. But in addition to that, uh, people may be listening, saying, well, let the migrants work so they can support themselves. This is the issue that people need to know about. The mayor, um, as as I've said previously on this show, um, allowed a law to go into effect that was passed under Bill de Blasio by the city council. Uh, that would allow non, non-citizens to vote in municipal elections if they reside in New York City for 30 days and they have work authorization. And so this could be the state's attempt uh, to grant them work authorization. So they get they vote. So they can vote. To vote. So they can vote in municipal elections. Think about that that this may open the door for them to vote for city council or for mayor. Uh, And maybe it could explain why people aren't rushing to get them out of the city and think that taxpayers should fit the bill and also that services across the board should be cut. They're talking 15%. That's a lot. Uh, Does that explain it all? And, boy, is that disturbing. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry, line six. Larry, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Rita, I mean, this voting business has to go because, uh, I mean, if, if it was shown that they would vote evenly Republican and Democrat, then I might say, I might say, well, you know, if we could do something productive with these with these workers, like, for example, um, we know Mexicans are very, very good workers. They're very good laborers. And if we would expand our manufacturing to really phase out China, we would need a lot of Mexican workers. And uh, so I, I'm not really I'm not really against that. But um, I say I don't I say don't if don't let them vote in municipalities. Because it's it's obvious that they're going to vote for one party or the other. I mean, put them in, spread them out then um, outside of uh, urban areas so they don't impact the vote. You know, if they're all going to vote monolithic, they they should not be allowed to impact the vote. But their utility should not be ignored. Now, when I say uh, and by the way, Larry, I never I never blame the migrants. I I agree that I think they can contribute in different ways. First of all, I think we got to vet them. Uh, That's one issue. Um, But the other issue is, um, well, I believe voting in America is a privilege. 
So I, I feel like we're we're making it too easy. We're 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 giving something. It cheapens it, and that saddens me in, in a lot of ways. Really, really saddens me. Uh, let's go to Pete real quick on line seven. Pete, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. We got some else going on now in Staten Island. They around the base ferry area. The prostitution is going insane, and this is with the migrants. What they're doing is they're actually coming over the cars with the scooters and telling you what you want. You want a female, you want a blonde, you want a male. It's unbelievable. It's all along the area of Bay Street. Wow. You know what? And you know what it is? A lot of them, first of all, a lot of them uh, don't have any money. Um, But but it's a great point because it's, is this near a shelter really quick? It's, it's horrible. It's really horrible. Wow. And you know what? My heart breaks for them, uh, but it also breaks for the community because this is a sad situation. We're going to continue more after the break, everybody. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the show where we get to honor our military and their families, a powerful story coming from Floyd County, Kentucky, where a 96-year-old veteran, Fred Hall, said he is honored to be one of the few selected veterans to go on an honor flight trip to Washington, D.C. He said, quote, I am honoring all the veterans, and I know they need all the honor they can get because they deserve everything they can possibly get. He started serving at age 18, and he was part of multiple branches of our armed services, saying, if I had been sworn into the Naval Reserves, and then when it happened, well, I became 18 years old, and then I was discharged from that, And when I came home, they drafted me into the Army. He was part of the artillery unit while in Germany in World War II and was also in the Navy Reserves in Pearl Harbor in 1945. Honor Flight Kentucky takes World War II, Korean War, and Vietnam War veterans to Washington, D.C. for a one-day trip to visit all of the different memorials. They're such a great organization. And uh, this honor flight is going to leave on Saturday. And Veteran Hall said he is very, very grateful for this experience. Well, U.N. events are underway in full swing in New York City. And one small West African nation is becoming a major player on the Security Council. Sierra Leone is a country that has emerged from crises like a brutal civil war and Ebola to now becoming a leader in the African community, pushing for education and also women's rights. And joining us now here on the Rita Cosby Show is Chernor Ba. He is the Minister of Information and Civic Education for Sierra Leone. And Mr. Minister, it's an honor to have you here. The honor is all mine, Rita. I'm a big fan. Thanks for having me. Well, I know that you also have some good New York ties, right? You're not a a first-timer to uh, New York. Oh, absolutely not. New York City is my second home. I met my wife here. I started my family here. I lived in the city for 12 years. I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll call myself a Harlem guy for sure. 
Well, and it's wonderful to be able to hear your story and your history and the history of your country, your other beloved home, of course, of Sierra Leone. It's amazing because our listeners may not know so much about it, but it has become a powerhouse. And it's often been referred to, I love this description, as the Athens of West Africa because it's been on the forefront from so many things, education, medicine. Tell us about sort of the history and what makes it such a special place. Well, Sierra Leone was indeed referred to as the Athens of West Africa because it was, uh, in, for, for many, many years, the premier destination for education. We had the first uh, university in sub-Saharan Africa. We had the first major academic institutions. People from all over um, Africa came to Sierra Leone. It was a place for excellence in education. Um, we, we were pioneers of, as you said, medicine, innovation, uh, just literature in general in the African continent. And also we are pioneers of art for people who are now enjoying what is referred to as uh, Afrobeat, the foundation of Afrobeat for those who are, are frequent uh, visitors of, uh, of Broadway. You must have seen the, the show uh, Fela that was here, but it traced its roots of that music to Sierra Leone. So Sierra Leone was the Athens because it was essentially the, the, the venue for Africa's initial renaissance, if you, if you want to call it that. It was, the, it was a mixture point of just arts and creativity and edu- education and innovation. And everybody, we are talking to the Minister of Information there of Sierra Leone, uh, Minister Chernoba. Uh, Mr. Minister, too, the other thing is it's got such a rich history um, and a richness of minerals, too. I mean, it really is a gem. Um, and it's also, what, slightly smaller than Scotland, uh, but yet it's got a diverse population, too. It, it absolutely does. I mean, I think... Uh, moviegoers will remember the movie uh, Blow Diamond, sadly, uh, because our country was known uh, for its portrayal in that movie because the richness of our natural resources. So we don't just have diamonds, but we have rutile, bauxite, iron ore. So Leone is, uh, you know, is it's known for the concentration of a vast amounts of natural resources, and as you said. Our diversity, diversity. Uh, one of the one of the one of the gems of our country. One of the things we are most proud of, but is pretty understated, is, for example, I come from a family where my father was a Muslim and my mother is a Christian, and that's not remarkable. Our president is uh, a church-going Christian. He's he's a Catholic. He's married to a Muslim woman who is a practicing Muslim. We have always been a place for religious tolerance, for ethnic tolerance and diversity. And that's just a part of who we are. And uh, uh, so, yes, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's, it's a place where we've always celebrated our diversity, and it's based on uh, the enlightenment that, that we were known for. And you talked about uh, your president. I know that he recently spoke at the U.N. to commemorate, I think it was International Day, also to prevent uh, attacks in schools and to allow women's rights. One of the things that was really interesting, I thought, 
it was to allow pregnant girls to stay in school. Uh, that's something that in some countries is, is controversial. Uh, of course, in America, it happens um, here where we allow that. Um, but you are really advanced, especially in terms of African rights. Talk about why that was so important. As a woman, uh, I love hearing that you are pushing for women's rights. Oh, our president has been a champion for the advancement of the rights of girls. When he became president, Sierra Leone was among many, many African countries that banned pregnant girls from going to school. We had a massive uh, challenge of uh, high levels of teenage pregnancies. Some of it's connected with the conflict. Some of it's connected with Ebola when schools were shut down. And our president inherited this ban and it was defended by everyone as, oh, this is our culture, pregnant girls are supposed to go to school. And our president said, this is not just unfair, but it is also undermining our development. And he, he didn't just lift the ban and allow pregnant girls to go to school. He's now the champion of what he refers to as radical inclusion, which is we have to remove every barrier that stops particularly females from accessing the fullness of opportunities. So you're right. Today, he was at the United Nations, and he was inviting the rest of the world to join him. One of the uh, stories of Sierra Leone that people don't know about is we spend 22% of our national budget. Keep in mind, Rita, this is a poor country. This is a country that has so many competing needs. But our president is spending a significant percentage of our national budget on education on particularly promotion of girls' education. And he was calling on the world to say, look, in the midst of all this crisis, I have continued to invest in human capacity. I've continued to invest in human capital. I've continued to invest particularly in girls' education. That we must come together to make sure that education is a guaranteed right, and especially that it is not deprived of people because of conflict. He told his own story, which is a very inspiring story, he was raised by his own grandmom um, at the UN today. I saw that they gave him a, a massive standing ovation when he told the story of how the, the belief in education by his own grandmom is the reason he's president today, who supported him. And that's why he wants to make sure that particularly female girls have access to the fullness of opportunities so they can realize their full potential. It is, it is it is quite a, a an inspirational story. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And also, I know a couple of years ago, right, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he also pushed to have sexual violence survivors on the agenda, which was unusual. Correct. In fact, uh, he's the first leader who declared that sexual violence and rape was a national emergency. He summoned the entire government and said that the rate of sexual violence in our country was so high, and that he was not just going to say this is a priority, he declared it as a state of emergency, so that he will mobilize the full force of the government, mobilize resources, bring together an interministerial um, council. His own wife, the first lady of our country, Madame Fatima Bio, launched a major campaign, Hands of Our Girls, which is now an, an award-winning international campaign, that really pushed for not just to raise awareness on, on why sexual and gender-based violence was so terrible, but so that we will change our laws, we'll increase our investment. We set up a special court just to try to rape victims. Um, you know, we uh, as a country, um, you know, have also invested in the response, making sure that hospitals provided free health care for any woman that came forward, any female that came forward 
to report sexual and gender-based violence and have a zero-tolerance policy on uh, sexual uh, discrimination and exploitation as well in our schools. So on that issue of uh, trying to tackle the endemic problem of sexual and gender-based violence, our president has been a shining example, um, not, just, not just to Africa, but I dare say to the rest of the world. And finally, Mr. Minister and everybody, we are talking uh, to the Minister of Information and Civic Education from Sierra Leone, uh, Minister Chernoba. Mr. Minister, I know also I mentioned I started out uh, that Sierra Leone, again, a very small country, as you know, uh, is having a huge impact. Uh, they're now with the status of non-permanent member of the U.N. Security Council. Uh, that's a very coveted, elevated status. What does that mean to the country? And also, what is that message to the world from Sierra Leone with having that really pivotal status, especially as we're heading to a huge week with the U.N.? I, I think this is the epitome of the transformation that we are witnessing in our country. We have come from a war-torn Ebola-ravaged country to now a country that's looking up uh, with a president that believes in young people who has passed a, a law uh, to ensure that we increase female representation across our governments. We just doubled the percentage of women in our parliament. We just tripled the percentage of women in our cabinet. He's appointed about 10 of his cabinet members are under the age of 40 years. I think Sierra Leone is undergoing this remarkable transformation. So for the first time in uh, over 50 years, we now take a seat at the United Nations Security Council where we can build on the experiences that we've had. We can share to the world that a country that's been through war, a country that's been through this epidemic, a country that's basically been through the, you know, the brink, the abyss of um, every single despair you can think about, but can bounce back and can bounce back by progressive values, by investing in education, by removing barriers that stop women and girls, by standing up for freedom of the press, by standing up for democratic values and justice and equality. I think that's what our new position at the United Nations Security Council embodies for the rest of the world. And that's the story we want to tell, because that's the true story of Sierra Leone, a country that's coming back and that's taking its place. You know, you, you started off by saying we were referred to as the Athens of Africa because we were the des destination for education and for uh, enlightenment. That's what we want to be known for again, and that's why we, we think being at the United Nations Security Council is the right time because we have the right story we've got something to contribute to the rest of the world. Well, it is a great and truly inspiring story. Uh, first of all, bravo uh, to you and also how beautiful that you met your wife in New York. I love the story of the president and the first lady and bravo to the president's grandmother for inspiring him, obviously, so beautifully, too. Uh, Mr. Minister, it's great to have you here, and I hope to come to your inspiring and beautiful country someday and really wonderful to have you here. We can't wait to welcome you in Sierra Leone, and thank you for all the amazing work you do as well um, in, 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 uh, as a journalist and in, in, in fighting for freedom. Thank you. Very nice. Uh, wonderful to talk with you, Mr. Minister, and interesting to learn about all the advancements there in that small West African country 
It's about the size of Scotland, uh, and yet it is having an enormous impact and really rising up after difficult times and leading the way. When we come back, we're going to take your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. Everybody, as you know, I love the Tunnels to Towers Foundation, and the walk run is coming up on Sunday, September 24th. Do whatever you can to help this incredible, incredible organization that honors our veterans, our first responders, and of course, 9 11 victims. You can go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com, click on my picture, and donate. Help me raise the most money to help this incredible organization that does so much for America's heroes. Again, walk.ritacosbyonline.com. Click on my picture and help the great Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Thank you for all you do. How Know how much you love our veterans, our first responders, and, of course, appreciate our 9-11 victims and what they sacrifice. Thank you so much. Breaking news. And we're getting word, by the way, tonight, as we are talking about the migrant crisis, that a federal judge in Texas has just ruled that a regulation which was intended to preserve the Obama-era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, known as DACA, is unlawful. This is a major blow to the Biden administration. Last year, the Biden administration pushed to save the program, which protects undocumented immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as children and released. Uh, And they were trying to make that codified as a policy, make it federal law. And tonight, a federal judge has shot that down, delivering a big, big blow to the Biden administration. So it'll be interesting tomorrow to see what the reaction is. This comes as they have just recently released. It's about $100 million that they had promised to give New York City to help them with the migrants. Sounds like a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money when New York City has already come forward and said it will cost $12 billion for the next three years to house the migrants. Uh, That could just be the tip of the iceberg. So it is costing America big, big money. And now the Biden administration is also losing on a lot of fronts. We also know Texas is also suing over the buoys. So there's a lot of litigation going back and forth. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Lorraine. Line eight. Lorraine, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Oh, lovely Rita. I am a long-time listener and a first-time caller. Oh, that's um, great. Awesome. Thank you, Lorraine. We love that. You're Thank welcome. you. I live in, in Westchester, and my bleeding heart county executive said to the migrants, come on up. Come on up. So I just want to say that um, the driver's licenses in 2019, New York State Legislature passed a green light law. Remember that? Yes, I do remember that. Yes, yes go ahead. Okay. So I work I work the elections, you know, I'm an election inspector. And so when I'm training, I I I saw what happened. What happened was thousands and thousands 
of undocumented people, immigrants, were able to, re- to go to the DMV and without a social security number, get a standard license. And um, when they fill out that, when they filled out or continue to fill out that application, there's a little teensy tiny box all the way down towards the bottom that you need a micro, you know, just magnifying glass in order to see. That box is supposed to be checked off if you are not legally here. So nobody, almost nobody checked it off. Therefore, that box, uh, when you check it off, it says, I'm not here, so don't send me a voter registration. So all these people got voter registration cards. Now, wow. what happened at the election? Now, at That's the election site, at the election site, so they're, let's say, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they're really good people that just want to work and want to drive, right? Even though they don't want to get insurance. So Hello? what, uh, uh, Lorraine, just because we have a minute left, what happened at the election site? This is interesting. At the election site, we are legally, as an inspector, I'm not allowed to ask for ID. They come with their little card and they want to be obliged and they want to be obedient. You know, they want to, they're here. So we have to help them vote. Wow. Not allowed to ask. Wow. By the way, Lorraine, let me ask you too. Did you hear um, earlier in the show, uh, Congresswoman Maliotakis believes part of the reason that many Democrats are now pushing for this work permit is that then they would qualify to technically be legal citizens to then vote in municipal elections. Do you believe that's the case? Of course it's the case, wow. but these, this group of migrants, the kids don't want to go to school. They're trained at the border to, to be empowered, talk to my lawyer. They, this is a whole different group of migrants. Nothing like we've ever seen as far as immigrants earnestly wanting to work. They can't, our elected officials can't get these people to sign up to vote, to uh, work. Wow. Wow. Lorraine, wow. you have you have really blown the lid off. You got to keep us posted because you obviously are there on the inside and have seen what happens. And boy, that sounds certainly fishy what happened last time and maybe explains uh, what is in store, what they're trying to do next time. Wow. 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 Lorraine, keep us posted. I'm so glad you called in. What a great, great, interesting call tonight. Thank you. And let's real quick go to Adam. Uh, Adam, we just have a few seconds. Your thoughts real quick. Yes, Meliotokis is inside also. She's inside the Congress. The Congress needs to push some legislation instead of focusing on impeaching Biden. You know what? You're right. They do need to focus on this, and this needs to be an issue of all sides need to come together. Everybody's got to care about our border. It's a red, white, and blue issue, not a Republican-Democrat issue. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.